You're listening to a sermon preached at Redeeming Life Church. As Pastor Brian mentioned, my name is Josiah, and I'm our pastor of families and students. So I know this makes me a little biased, but I got to say, we have some amazing, amazing kids here at Redeeming Life. We are blessed to have them as part of our faith family. Uh, in just a minute, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8. Um, but before we do, I, uh, I just want to take a minute and just really be transparent with you guys this morning and just kind of share my heart. I, oftentimes when I, when I come up here and I stand in this pulpit and I stand up here, I love being able to proclaim God's word to you and, and share God's word with you. But I got to tell you, sometimes I feel unqualified. Sometimes I feel unqualified or, or unworthy to stand here um, because of things from my past, um, things I've said or done, or just, I just worry that I'm going to lose God's love. I sometimes walk up here and I feel unworthy to stand here because of something, something I did maybe years ago, maybe weeks ago, maybe, maybe even the night before. Sometimes I stand up here and I worry that God doesn't love me or that I shouldn't be here. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you've lost God's love? Do you ever worry that God doesn't love you anymore? You find yourself reflecting on the things that you've said or done in your past, and you think, there's no way that God can forgive me for that. There's no way that God's going to forgive me for... You fill in the blank. How could God love me, we ask ourselves. How, how could God love me after the things I've done? How could God love me after the way I've acted? How can God... Love me after I've cheated on my spouse when my own spouse doesn't love me anymore. How can God forgive me for my divorce? How can God love me after the abortion that I had? How can God forgive me for the things that I've done? After being arrested, after the sins that I've committed, does God still love me? Will God still love me? That's a question that's haunted my heart. What separates us from God's love? What disqualifies us from redemption? What would cause God to, to give up on me or discard me? What are the chances that God no longer loves me because of the wretched, terrible things that I've done? If you've ever struggled with the fear of losing God's love, I want you to know that you are not alone. Because I worry about that too sometimes. What separates us from the love of Christ? What or who can separate us from the love of Christ? That's the question that I hope we can answer together this morning as we examine God's word together today. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We're going to begin in the verse 31. If you're using one of those Red Pew Bibles near or around you, we're going to be on page 1003. Then, as always, all the verses and all the scriptures, all the lyrics and everything are in our event and you version as well, so you can find everything there. Let's read God's word together this morning. Romans 8, starting in verse 31, Paul is talking here, and he says, What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but he offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. 
He also is at the right hand of God, and he intercedes for us. Verse 35 says, Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God who is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Will you bow your heads one more time with me as we begin in prayer today? Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to gather together, to read your word, to study it, and examine it together. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me today. Lord, help us to be able to answer that question, what separates us from the love of God? Lord, I pray that I would handle this text rightly this morning, that you would open our minds, our ears, our hearts, Lord, to hear your voice, and that we would leave here transformed, not because of anything I said, but because of your word and who you are. It's in your holy and precious name, Lord, we pray. Amen. So who can separate us from the love of Christ? Paul is asking the Romans the very question that oftentimes is bouncing around in our own heads. What separates us from the love of God? Paul goes on to ask, who is against you? Who is accusing you? Who is condemning you? I read these questions from Paul, these questions of who's against you? Who's accusing you? Who's condemning you? And I just want to shout back, Everyone. Everyone, Paul, it's everyone. It's my ex-girlfriend, all my ex-girlfriends, really, my wife, my in-laws, the, the people I've worked with in the past, my family, my friends, my neighbors, the lady at the grocery store. I hear all their voices condemning me. And sometimes Satan's voice is the loudest of them all. The devil loves to distract us. He loves to convince us that we are unworthy of God's love. Satan will do everything he can to fill your head with lies. Satan will tell you things like, God's not going to love you after all you've done. You're a cheater. You're a liar. You're a monster. You're a murderer. You're a criminal or a thief. You're an abuser. You're good for nothing. The devil loves to spew lies and hatred at us until he's convinced us to abandon all truth. Even now, even as I stand up here this morning, I can hear him whispering. I can hear him chattering away in my ear. Right now as I stand here, I hear him saying, grown men do not eat dino chicken nuggets. Grown men don't like unicorn mac and cheese. And I just want to stand here and say, yes, they do, Satan. Yes, they do. Do you ever feel judged? Do you ever feel condemned? How often do you feel persecuted by everyone in your life, including the devil? Sometimes it can feel like the whole world is against you. 
Real quick before we move on, though, I just want to tell you, the dino nugget is the superior nugget, okay? Like, you can't beat those shapes. They just hit differently. In all seriousness, though, does it ever feel like the deck is stacked against you? I know I joke around a little bit. I can't help it. I'm the family guy. Last week, I was hiding under the table from three-year-olds. So, <laughs> but do you ever feel like you're condemned? Not just by the world, but by God. How many times have you felt like you've lost God's love? How often do you feel like he's completely done with you? How many times have you asked yourself, is that it? Have I done it? Did I just commit the unforgivable sin? Or maybe you're the type of guy or girl who just keeps committing the same sin over and over again. And every time you do, you say, Lord, I'm sorry. That's it. That's the last time I promise it'll never happen again. Until it does. And then you repeat the same process over again. Lord, I'm sorry. I, I mean it this time. That's it. That is the last time I ever look at porn. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm never going to gossip about Brenda again. Lord, I'm sorry. I, I, I promise I'm not going to cheat company time anymore. I'm not going to hide out in the bathroom stall just scrolling Facebook, getting lost in the sauce for hours. Lord, that's the last time I cheat on my test. Lord, that's the last time I, I sign my friend into school so it looks like they're in class when they're not. That's the last time, Lord, I, I promise. Or maybe, maybe you're sitting at home alone or, or in your car alone, and you're just running through the reel of your life. You're looking at every sin you've ever committed. Even those big, just hairy ones, the two or three that you can't forget and you can't forgive yourself for. And they just roll over in your head. And you hear that little, small voice in your head say, there is no way God is going to forgive you for that. I don't even know why you're still trying. God's done with you. Just give up already. Who is condemning you today? What affliction are you dealing with? What persecutions are you going through? What dangers are you facing today? If you're sitting here today or you're watching this message online and you feel condemned, you feel persecuted, or you feel unloved, you're not alone because we all feel that way at times. All of us at one point or another have felt unloved, unworthy, or unforgivable. And that being said, I want you to know that there is some encouragement in God's word for us this morning. In addition to asking the question, who is against you? Who is condemning you today? Paul includes this incredible inquiry. He says, what can separate us from God's love? Look back at verse 35 again. He says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or, or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? The very question that we wrestle with in our own lives is the exact same question that Paul is asking in our text today. What separates us from God's love? Who can separate us from God's love? No one. 
Who can bring accusations against us? The answer is no one. What separates us from the love of God? Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Just a minute, I have the distinct honor, an incredible opportunity to baptize my daughter, to celebrate all that God has done in her life, all that God is continuing to do, and all that God will do in her life. As I've been preparing for this moment and reflecting on her life, I found myself thinking about when she was really young, about two or three. You know, I don't have my daughter all the time. I have her about half the time. When she was really young, when it was time to trade off, and my time was over, I remember she would just cry. She would just bawl her eyes out, and I couldn't explain to little three-year-old Maddie, it's okay, I still love you, I'm still here for you, and I'll see you again soon. I couldn't explain to her that whether it was three days or five days or, or eight days, whatever the case, I would still be here. And what she didn't know then what I hope she realizes now is that I'm always going to love you. There's no escaping my love. I'm always going to be here. I'm always going to love you. No matter how far away you go, even when you're off to college, I'll still be here. That's my love for my daughter. How much greater is our Heavenly Father's love for us? How much more amazing is God's love for us than my love for my daughter? He always loves, always forgives, and will always be there for us, even when we've gone astray. God's love never fails. What can separate us from God's love? Nothing. There is no escaping God's love. If you are a Christian, there is no escaping God's love. There's nowhere you can run to. There's nowhere you can hide from God. So Paul asks the question, what can separate us from God's love? And then he gives us some examples, affliction, persecution, danger, and so forth. You might read these examples that Paul gives, and he feels disconnected from them. But let's really examine this, and let's look at the examples that Paul's giving us here today. He starts with affliction. Can affliction separate you from God? Can the bully at school separate you from the love of God? No. He's going to separate you from your lunch money, but not from the love of God. What about persecution? If I get passed up for promotion at work because of my faith, is that going to separate me from God's love? No. What about famine? Do higher grocery prices separate you from the love of God? They're going to separate me from my pantry long before they separate me from the love of God. If anything, I'm going to have more time to spend with God because instead of cooking, I can sit there and read my Bible. What about danger? What about earthquakes or exploding trains or snowstorms? No way, man. What about sword? What about unjust governments or wars or spy balloons? Never. If anything, these things should draw us closer to God. What about nakedness? Anybody leaving your house naked right now? Not in February, right? But that's not what Paul's talking about. 
Nakedness here is the Bible's way of saying shame or feeling ashamed. If you've ever cheated on your spouse, you know that feeling of just nakedness and vulnerability that goes along with that. What about the shame of losing your job? Or the embarrassment of your coworkers finding out that you're Christian? Not because being Christian is embarrassing, but because the life that you live in front of your friends and at your workplace does not resemble that of a Jesus follower. Can those things separate us from the love of Christ? Can the affliction that we experience from those who hate us or despise us separate us from his love? Is the persecution and the bullying that we endure from the world around us symbolic of how wretched and truly unlovable we are? Brothers and sisters, there is a huge lie going around the world today. A lot of lies, really, but there's one gigantic lie that's been infiltrating the lives of Christians consistently. And that's it. If God really loved us, if he really loved us, we wouldn't be persecuted for our faith. If we were truly loved by God, we'd never suffer. We'd never face affliction of any kind. Seriously? You've got to be kidding me. Romans 8.36 states that as Christians, we are putting, being put to death all day long, that we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. And you might not be enduring the same persecution that the early church experienced. I don't know anyone in our church who's been burned at the stake recently for their faith. But we do face persecution. There's going to be persecution. If you call yourself a Christian, you are going to face difficulties in this life. If you make the decision to boldly proclaim the gospel and you stand on the truth of God's word, especially in today's world, there are going to be people who hate you, who mock you, who say vile things about you and try to convince you that you are the problem with society today. There's going to be persecution. And there's going to be suffering. Last week, Pastor Brian made it abundantly clear that as Christians, we're going to experience suffering in this world. If you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to go back and watch it. We live in a broken world, and as a result, you're going to endure suffering. You're going to have affliction in your life. We have brothers and sisters with us today who've had to leave their homes, leave their countries, and start their lives over again because of the war and suffering in their life. On the flip side of that, we tell our friends and neighbors we're suffering because the grocery store didn't have regular Oreos. We tell our friends that God hates us because we didn't get the job that we wanted, or we never have any money, or because we're single, or we didn't get accepted in the same college that all of our friends did. The smallest things don't go our way, and we decide to call it quits because of we have accepted this terrible lie as truth. And the prosperity preacher who feeds you this lie and tries to convince you that the reason for your hardships, the reasons for your difficulty in life is because you didn't have enough faith. You didn't tithe enough. You didn't 
trust God enough. You weren't committed to him enough. It's not worth the digital bandwidth that his words occupy. Christian, you're going to face difficulties. You're going to face hardships. You're going to face illness and disease. But in the end, Paul tells us it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter because what part of any of this can separate us from the love of Christ? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. In verse 33, Paul says, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? Because God is the one who justifies. So who is the one who condemns? If God is the one who justifies us, then who can condemn us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Paul is making the argument here that if we are in Christ Jesus, then no one can stand against us. Now, before you get too excited, let me tell you what Paul is not saying here in Romans 8. Paul isn't saying that you're free to just go on sinning because God will always love you. We don't get to say, I was born this way. I am who I am. and expect to get a free pass to just do whatever we want, whenever we want. Each one of us starts our lives underneath God's wrath. However, for the Christian, our great sins have been redeemed by a great Savior. A Savior, who Paul reminds us, is seated next to the Father, interceding for us. So that when the enemy comes to you and tries to tell you that you're unworthy or that you're unqualified or that you are unforgivable or that you are still under God's wrath, you can turn to him and you could say, no, I'm not. No, I'm not because the one who knew no sin took on all of my sin so that I can proudly, proudly proclaim that nothing can separate me from God's love especially your lies. There's a reason Striper wrote a song called To Hell with the Devil. That's for the two of you who like 80s hair bands. You're welcome. For the Christian, there is no condemnation and no escaping God's love through Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you're sitting here today and you are not a Christian, the unfortunate truth is you are still underneath the weight of God's wrath. In fact, you might be sitting here today and you're feeling that burden weighing you down this morning. If that's you this morning, then you need to know that Jesus Christ defeated sin, hell, death, and the grave for you so that you too can experience God's love and glorify him forever. Maybe you're sitting here today, and on paper, you're a Christian. But in reality, you're more like the prodigal son. Maybe you're sitting here today, and you've turned your back on God. As soon as things got hard, you looked at God, and you said, I'm out of here. And you ran away. Oftentimes, when life gets difficult, when things get hard and difficulties come our way, we want someone to blame. Maybe you haven't had to flee your country in order to stay alive. Maybe it's not that extreme. Nevertheless, you're still mad at God. We tend to get angry with God 
when someone we love dies, or when things don't go our way. We get mad at God when we can't get pregnant, and we have miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. All the while, we say, why, God? Why me? Then we watch. It seems like everyone around us is blessed with children. We want someone to blame when life doesn't go our way. So we blame God when we don't have the perfect house, or we don't have a nice car, or we don't have the life that we dreamt about when we were a child. So instead of running to God and allowing him to comfort us and heal us, when faced with difficulties in this world, instead, we just run away from him. Brothers and sisters, some of you are running away from God right now. You're running away from him. I don't know why you feel the need to keep running. I don't know why you want to run. You can keep running if that's what you want to do. But I want you to know that no matter how long you run or how far you run, you can't get away from God. You can't escape his love. No matter where you go, God is right there with you. God will always be there with open arms, ready to love you, ready to forgive you, and to comfort you. So what? What do we do with all this today? How do we respond to God's word this morning? Brothers and sisters, as Christian, Paul tells us we are more than conquerors. Paul concludes chapter 8 with these words, starting in verse 37. He says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. If God is for us, who can be against us? Quit listening to the lies of the devil. To not listen any longer to the chatterbox that just rattles off in your ear all the various ways that God doesn't love you. Because he does. At the end of the day, when the time came and the price of your sins was due, when the time came that the penalty of your sins needed to be accounted for, God's word tells us that God did not even give up his own son. He didn't even spare him, but he gave him up for all of us. I just want to encourage you this morning. Go read God's word. Read through the gospels. Read the book of John. Read the account in Matthew, Mark, or Luke on how God sacrificed his only begotten son for you. God sacrificed his only son on the altar to pay for your sins. Who does that? Read your Bible. Look at all that God has done. Then come back to me. Come back to me and try to explain to me how anything in this life, can separate you from the love of God. 
Paul begins Romans 8 in verse 1 by telling us that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And then he closes out this chapter by telling us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. I want us to read this entire text over again from start to finish. I want you to look at this with me so that we can see the whole picture of God's love that Paul is painting for us this morning. Let's read this together one more time, starting in verse 31. Paul says, What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also, with him, grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies, so who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more. He has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God, and he intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that there is no escaping your love. That even though I am a wretched, terrible sinner, Lord, you forgive me. That you sent your son to die on a cross for me so that we wouldn't have to perish but we could have eternal life. Lord, I pray that as we leave here this morning, that we wouldn't be beaten down by the world, that we wouldn't listen to the chatterbox in our ear, but that we would stand firm on your truth, on your promises, that nothing, nothing, nothing in this life can separate us from your love. Lord, I pray that we would always remember that, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise today. It's in your holy and precious name, Lord, we pray. Amen. We'd love to have you as our guest. For more information, visit redeeminglifeutah.org.